0: And now, back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: When Franklin D. Roosevelt died in April of 1945, few Americans knew how disabled the 32nd president was and the pains he took to conceal his physical disability, polio. During his political career, Roosevelt denied his disability in order to not compromise public perception of him as a vulnerable candidate, and he continued to hide his condition throughout his presidency. Sitting mostly at his desk or at a lectern, Roosevelt was never seen by the public in a wheelchair that he used daily for some two decades. Of the more than 35,000 photos taken of him during his 12 year long presidency, only two show the president in his wheelchair, both taken by family members and never made public until well after his passing. FDR's biographer Hugh Gallagher called it FDR's splendid deception, referring to the illusion used by FDR to hide his disability. Today, we're living in a very different age. During FDR's era, it wasn't the trend to unmask what was considered to be vulnerabilities. Today, the phenomena of the disability is viewed differently, as it's used as a means of encouragement for people with disabilities and the non-disabled. Stories of perseverance and confidence flourish, and it's considered healthy to divulge and discuss one's disabilities. In this respect, people with disabilities and others can learn and improve from the disability experience and Hopefully in the end, we all can grow. Joining me now with more, we're... Pleased to have in studio person who certainly is very familiar to the KFAX audience. In fact, you hear her in a brand new broadcast weekday mornings at 1120 here on KFAX. She's Johnny Erickson-Tada. Johnny, great to see you, and great to have you back in studio with us. Oh,
2: Craig, it's been way too long since I've been up here at KFAX, and uh, thanks for having me back. And you know, it's interesting, you were talking about um, FDR a moment ago and uh, his disability. You know, if you visit his uh, monument in Washington, D.C., it, it, the, the the wheelchair is only slightly alluded to. Uh, the statue, the sculpture was fashioned in such a way that uh, so as to, quote, respect uh, FDR's perception of his own handicapping condition. But as you just said, it's a different world we live in now.
1: It's amazing how much times and perceptions have, have really changed, haven't they?
2: They really have. And it's interesting that those perceptions actually were given birth here in the Bay Area. Uh, Back in the 1960s, the independent living movement, um, what is called the independent living movement, was uh, kick-started over at UC Berkeley when people with disabilities began to see that, uh, hey, we're not patients. We're not people who need to be fixed or, quote, taken care of. Uh, We're individuals who have talents, gifts, abilities, job skills. So the independent living movement right here in Berkeley is where that whole change and shift of perceptions began.
1: It's fascinating how... We tend to focus on the different, and, and, and this, I think, flows in so many aspects of life. All A big part of, I think, a man's fallen sin nature his his fallen condition, that if there's something that's different about somebody else, somehow we point that out and oftentimes, unfortunately, translate that as a negative. But in fact, if you look, for example, at the life of FDR, how that in spite of what seemed to be almost insurmountable odds in overcoming, uh, overcoming the challenges presented by polio. man went on to, to lead us through two arguably of the most difficult crises in American history, uh, brought us through successfully uh, the largest war in recorded history, And so maybe part of the lesson that we can learn here is to understand that as we're so often inclined to point out the negative in others or what we perceive to be as being different from us can actually ultimately be very positive lessons that we can all grow and learn from.
2: Oh, absolutely, Craig. In fact, back in uh, President Roosevelt's day, if you had a disability, you were viewed as, quote, abnormal in a normal world. But today, we look at disability, I choose to look at it, through a, a, a biblical lens, in other words, I am quite normal in an abnormal world. Uh, this world is fallen. This world is broken. Uh, we all have weaknesses. We all have um, limitations. So I'm very normal in a very abnormal world that one day uh, is going to be fixed when Jesus comes back and sets things right. But uh, I, and I think that's the the common denominator between us all. That you know that's why. Paul could say what in 1 Corinthians, um, if you've received comfort from God, that equips you to comfort uh, anyone in, quote, any trouble, any trouble. You don't have to be a quadriplegic to identify with my struggles. You, you've been through your own. And so there's a shared common denominator there.
1: Amazing, too, how in the end the Lord becomes sort of the uh, the great compensator for all of this. I mean, for example, in our fallen sin nature, uh, we are deserving of Death, permanent separation from God because we've offended a holy and righteous God. Um, And yet God brought in the great compensator, Jesus Christ, his son who died on the cross to essentially compensate uh, for the punishment that we should have received, that through that sacrificial work that he did on the cross on behalf of all of us, we might be reconciled to him. I think of your own life and the ways in which uh, that uh, diving accident that you had, X number of years ago. 45 (laughs) years ago. I wasn't going to mention any dates. Oh my goodness, that (laughs) seems so long ago. (laughs) But the way the Lord has compensated so that what in a sense was taken from you in so many ways he's added to you. And I guess that's that's true no matter what our station in life would be. The, the great the great compensator Jesus can, can do all of that for
2: Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And, and that's what the great Redeemer does. In fact, that's what redemption is all about. When uh, uh, God sent His Son Jesus to be the Redeemer for the world, that meant also not only were our souls to be redeemed, but uh, our suffering can be redeemed. Um, my wheelchair, and of course back in President Roosevelt's day, uh, my wheelchair would have been viewed then as a symbol of confinement, mm-hmm. a, a prison that I was entrapped in. In fact, um, you often hear people talk about individuals confined to wheelchairs. But with Jesus Christ, he redeems that. He changes that meaning. I'm not confined to this wheelchair. Oh, my goodness. It, it's it's the, quote, prison that has set me free. Um, it is the next best thing to having legs. It is, for me, a symbol of mobility and, uh, and, and, and freedom. And uh, Jesus did that with his own cross, didn't he? It, it, it at one time was a symbol of torture, a symbol of cruel punishment, uh, a symbol of execution, but... Now we wear crosses around our necks and they are symbols of hope and victory and, and peace and freedom. And so God does that when it concerns suffering or sin. He redeems things. He changes their meaning. He, he exchanges the bad for something so much more better than we would have ever dreamed imagined.
1: And this is really true cross-sectionally for all of us, isn't it? I mean, whether we're talking about someone who's, who's had a loss of traditional, quote-unquote, mobility through a swimming accident... To the woman listening right right now who maybe uh, recently lost her husband and now is is feeling that tremendous loss, and yet God can come in as the great compensator, the great redeemer, and make up for all that, in a
2: sense. He really does, and I I know that um, when I talk to people, uh, it doesn't take long to to find those um, common points of identification I think I've told you before Craig I, I've shared with this listening audience that for me getting up in the morning as a quadriplegic when my girlfriend comes into the bedroom and gives me a bed bath does my toileting routines senses up my corset pulls up my pants gets me dressed sits me in my wheelchair pushes me to the bathroom brushes my hair my teeth I the, the, the over the, the routine itself is so overwhelming there are many mornings I I lie in bed, dreading it, dreading waking up, dreading getting up because it's just such effort, and uh, not to mention just the the pain and stiffness that goes with being in your 60s and. And so often, uh, when I'm getting up, I'm thinking, oh, Lord Jesus, I I do not have strength for this. I can't do quadriplegia, but I can do all things through you as you strengthen me. I I don't have a smile for this day, but you do. Let me borrow your smile. I don't know how I'm going to make it, have to find the strength to make it to lunchtime, but but you have ability. You have strength. And Craig, that way of waking up in the morning is a very biblical Christian way to wake up. And I think, People identify with that. There's not a listener who's who's tuned into us right now who hasn't uh, woken up in the morning thinking, "I'll never have the strength to make it to through the day." And and so, whether you're a quadriplegic in a wheelchair or whether you're crippled by anxiety or paralyzed by your your you know your your life circumstances, there is that wonderful um, thing that connects us: our desperate need of God. We all should be waking up in the morning needing God desperately.
1: Are there two important lessons here, too? I'm thinking of the notion of the challenges that you face, that for most of it is is routine. We go through, we don't think twice about it. And yet, where we have limitations to surrender what we cannot do to the Lord, who can do all, and then coinciding along with that, the notion that what we can do to make it count.
2: Oh, yes. Um, No one should suffer for nothing. Suffering should have meaning. And if it's going to count, it begins with their attitude. It begins with their perspective. It begins with trusting that God has permitted this, ordained it, allowed it, um, planned it, um, whatever word you want to use there. Um, God has... It has encroached your into your life with this inconvenience, with this set of circumstances, with this grief or this loss or this death or divorce or this disability. Um, he, he's, he's, he's put this in your life so that you in turn might be, as 1 Corinthians, I think it is, chapter 1, verse 9 says, that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. And when we quit relying on our own strength and go to God out of desperate need, help me, Jesus. I just can't do this without you. Oh my goodness, we begin to experience his peace, his joy, his perseverance, long-suffering, his kindness, his gentleness, his compassion toward others who hurt. We become different people. And that's finding the good in the midst of affliction. Um, that's that's understanding the depth of redemption that can come when you, when you When you you become changed by it, when you become transformed and become more like Jesus, suffering will do that to you with the right attitude and the right perspective.
1: Johnny erickson Tata today with us in studio. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation as this edition of Lifeline continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back to The Conversation. Craig Roberts along with our very special guest in studio with us today, a voice that you certainly recognize. She is Johnny Erickson Tata. The broadcast, by the way, Johnny and Friends, a new broadcast time here on KFAX. Heard weekday mornings about 1125 immediately following daybreak with Pastor Don Sheely. So check that out weekday mornings, Monday through Friday, right here on KFAX. You can get more information, too, on the web about Johnny and her ministry at johnnyandfriends.org. That's johnnyandfriends.org. Johnny, we were talking just before the break about this sense of of surrendering those things which we can't do, which we're incapable of doing, and allowing God's strength then to to compensate for all of that. And then that second component, that where we can do, make it count. I, I think we all know people that go through a day that have no limitations whatsoever, and they spend the 24 hours that God has given them every day, Accomplishing absolutely nothing; it, mm. it just becomes wasted time. It's part of the message here too, particularly for believers, to understand that in the limited time that we have on Earth, even with the limitations that we might be handed through whatever that is, uh, to make the time that we have really count.
2: Oh, for sure, Craig, and uh, and uh, I know there might be friends listening who their disability is invisible. It might be depression. It might be um, just that heavy. That heavy fog, that cloud of despair. And when you talk about making even days like that count, how do we live? How do we get through it? How do we take the next step? Well, I've got three words of advice. Number one, if you're if you're discouraged, if you feel overwhelmed by your life circumstances, if, if let's say you have an invisible disability of struggling with depression or a physical affliction like mine, quadriplegia, or if you deal with pain, number one, just do the next thing. Do the next thing that's got to be done. Just just get up into life and out into the day. And number two, um, hang tough with Jesus. Spend time with Christ, 20 minutes a day at least, reading His Word, talking with Him, um, becoming replenished by His Spirit. And number three look for somebody else in a situation whose life circumstances are more desperate than yours find that person who's more needy than you are emotionally spiritually physically and invest your life in them you can never go wrong which is facing a day with that those three those those three guidelines number 1 do the next thing number 2 spend time with Jesus number 3 Find somebody who's hurting more than you are, who's struggling more than you are, and invest your life in them, and you'll be do you you will be honoring God. You will be you will be accruing for yourself um, rewards for eternity. You will be stretching your soul's capacity for 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 living. You, you you'll be changed. You'll be transformed because it's uh, you'll you'll be taking um, the Bible's advice to to um to not be served, not sit around on earth to be served, but to, as Jesus said, go out and serve.
1: We began our conversation talking about FDR and that amazing man with an amazing presidency who overcame some pretty big challenges. Um, That notion of, of not letting what you perceive to be a limitation to stop you from making life count. His life is an example of that. Certainly, your life is an example of that. I think of this story... Out of the Pacific Northwest, of parents who literally came across with a multi million dollar, not wrongful death suit, but a wrongful birth suit against a clinic for right. not properly diagnosing a child that they uh, were hoping, quote unquote, would be born uh, without any it's challenges. Right? And turned out to be a Downs baby. And as a result, they sued the clinic for not telling them. And I I think in a story like that, if they only understood what that child could do Mm. in life.
2: Especially a child with Down syndrome. And I think all of us perhaps know uh, young people with Down syndrome. They are fundamentally the most happy uh, people you'll ever want to meet. They don't see that anything about them needs to be changed. Their lives are full and rich. But yet, these parents, uh, because the lab failed to properly diagnose their unborn child as having Down syndrome when that child was born, uh, they sued the lab for uh, millions of dollars. And this just goes to show that we, in our country, are are have, bought, have truly bought into that premise that you are better off dead than disabled, that uh, a, a newborn infant. Is a quote non-person who does not have moral rights, because that child has yet to develop hope, goals, dreams, uh, aspirations. So, although clearly hum- human, uh, that that uh, newborn infant with Down syndrome is is not a person, not a person. Uh, whom the law can protect. That is sad. And it's happening uh, in hospitals all over the country. Uh, many more incidents of infanticide the starving to death of infants purely based on their uh, disability. And with the new health care law, when it kicks in um, and federal oversight committees begin allocating uh, how many health care dollars can be dispensed to which medical institutions, doctors uh, will 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 say no to mothers and fathers who want uh, heroic treatment for their newborn infant with a disability.
1: Our, our ethics, our morals are not keeping up with the technology, are they?
2: Absolutely, Craig. And when cost and convenience are, are, are pressed together uh, in, in a medical situation, then it's usually uh, children, infants, the elderly... People who are medically fragile, these are the ones whose lives are most in jeopardy. Is the gap
1: here, Johnny, uh, an issue of a need for greater degrees of understanding and education? Again, going back to our example of Roosevelt, after he had been diagnosed with polio, the age of 39, well into his political career, um, he could have been told then, well, forget it. It's it's over with. So the possibility of someday becoming the governor of New York, off the table. Mm. The possibility of moving on to become the 32nd president of the United States serving an unprecedented 12 years, four terms, that's off the table as well. How different America might be uh, of the legacy that he left of getting us through the Second World War, creating things like uh, Social Security, um, forging in many respects the opening of the door to finally end racism in this country. Mm. Uh, All of those things that he did that could have been lost Mm. if attitudes that he had had been different to simply conclude, as you said before, well, you're better off dead than disabled.
2: Exactly. We need to look past the disability and understand that each of us bears the imprint of a great creator God. And for that reason alone, our life is separated and sanctified. It's sacred. It's, it's worth protecting. Um, uh, this argument about people being pre-persons when they are infants and have no ability to choose or they have no hopes or dream, dreams or goals, pre-persons or post-persons, That is, if you are an elderly individual who uh, might not have cognitive skills, perhaps dementia, Alzheimer's, or a non-person, such as an individual who is in a coma uh, and and living in a coma for an extended state, this philosophy is beginning to have real impact in the way doctors make medical decisions and in the way parents make choices about their own children, such as this uh, organ couple who uh, sued over the wrongful birth of a Down syndrome infant.
1: It is bearing a very... Bitter, poisonous fruit. Absolutely, we might say.
2: it is. It's poisonous, and it's it's impacting the lives of people with disabilities, not just in this country, but around the world.
1: Does the church need to step up to the plate to the greater degree in terms of allowing our voices to be heard in this arena of maybe under the greater heading of, of bioethics? Uh, I mean, the notion of pre-person, post-person, non-person. I find nowhere. In scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And I'm thinking the fact that we, as the church, having a personal relationship with the very creator of us all, that we of all have the greatest degree of responsibility. To speak out against all of this when we see this kind of an injustice or when we see the, the, the sort of redefining of what life really is.
2: Exactly. And the church, the, the, this is the arena where the church belongs. Um, Christians sitting on ethics committees in hospitals, um, Christians serving as ombudsmen in nursing facilities where plugs are too uh, callously and and carelessly pulled. Uh, Christians getting equipped and trained uh, to understand that this discussion that we're having isn't in the theoretical realm of bioethical discussions and medical institutions. No. Um, Real decisions are being made right now in nursing facilities and neonatal units, in, uh, in nursing homes, where Christians can step in and say, no, we will not not let this happen. I will advocate for this individual. There are resources. The church does care. We will not abandon this individual, this infant, this elderly person, this person with a disability.
1: And these discussions that are taking place are not taking place in a vacuum, are they? I mean, they're, they're having a real impact on real people in real lives that are literally... Put in the balance.
2: And I think Christians really want to step into that battle. Most of us just don't know how. We're not equipped. We're ill trained. We don't understand the language. Uh, we don't have the resources. And I, that's why I'm so excited to be here in the Bay Area, Craig, with our Johnny and Friends uh, Bay Area office, because we stand ready to help train churches, to equip them, to help Christians understand what a biblical worldview on disability is. Not a postmodern view, not a modernist view, but a true biblical worldview on disability and and the difference that makes in the lives of families. And
1: where ultimately, as we understand from scripture, where we are weak, He is strong, where our ability ends, His begins.
2: absolutely, and I'm so glad you mentioned that, because that's really the, the, uh, the whole foundational uh, thought. It's, it's, it's the philosophical undergirding for a, a healthy perspective on disability, understanding that when we are weak, He is strong, and so we boast in our affliction, we delight in our infirmity, as the Bible says, we glory in the limitation, because then we know Christ's power rests on us. And, and that biblical truth is true for every special needs family, every infant, every child with a disability, every elderly individual. Um, we just got to get out there and wrap flesh and blood around it as we embrace these people and their families into our fellowships.
1: Some insights on exactly how to do that as our conversation continues. With us today in studio, Johnny Erickson Tata from Johnny and Friends. Information again on her work and ministry online at johnnyandfriends.org. That's johnnyandfriends.org. How do we get down to putting real flesh and bones on it and really making a significant difference? We'll talk about that next as this edition of Lifeline continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: And welcome back to the program. Again, let me share with you the website if you'd like to get more information about the ministry of Johnny and Friends and particularly what they're doing here in the San Francisco Bay Area online at johnnyandfriends.org. That's johnnyandfriends.org. Dot O-R-G. And I'll mention for some folks, it's J O N I, Johnny and Friends.org. Johnny Erickson Todd is with us today in studio, very special visit and getting a chance to get caught up in a number of things and also kind of a reality check, I think, for a lot of us in the church, Johnny, as we were talking just before the break, this whole bioethics question or the greater personhood question coming about. You mentioned to me off the air as I think demonstrative of just how far out of hand. Some of this has gotten that we are valuing life, personhood, less. And then you mentioned about some attempts to try and now attribute the value of the human life
2: to animals, to animals exactly. In fact, uh, uh, during the break, you and I were discussing this, Craig. And there are efforts uh, uh, among philosophers and uh, animal welfare experts, and uh, and some theologians even to uh, ascribe to dolphins uh, non-human personhood status. It is just crazy. <laughs> People hear that
1: they're no. slapping the side of the radio, saying, "Wait a minute,
2: did Johnny just say non-human persons?" But that, in fact, is what they're trying to do. I guess that's the new definition. You know, you, you can make anything sound plausible. You can make anything sound pleasant and swallowable and palatable if you give it a fancy enough mm-hmm. label. Mm-hmm. And uh, Non-human persons, uh, dolphins, uh, uh, they're, they're looking for that kind of status now. And it's just crazy because it, it showcases to us that, that, um, that the eggs of bald eagles have more uh, protected rights than do the fertilized eggs of women. Uh, unborn children and uh, th- th- we, we i think we all need to understand that this is not an arena just for um, the the upper echelons of of ethical discussions again this this affects our worldview this this influences the way we um, the way we make decisions about our own uh, elderly parents who are going into nursing homes or um, whether or not we want to abort this child that's been we've been told has a chromosomal defect uh, it is Influences our decisions. This pervasive, I think it's a very sneaky uh, way of uh, influencing our thinking. Um, And and it is. It's influencing our thinking and it's um, resulting in life and death decisions that impact people with disabilities.
1: And yet, at the same token, here are the human persons who, perhaps because they're facing certain disabilities and physical challenges, are oftentimes being ignored. Set aside. Or labeled as non-persons. Labeled as non-persons. Let's talk about that particular we were mentioning before the break about the responsibility of the church to be on the front line of this entire issue. There are congregations here in the San Francisco Bay Area, as demonstrative of any region of the country, that could significantly increase the breadth and depth of their ministry If they started to think about what can we do to make what we do as a church, as a body of believers, more accessible to the growing needs of this community.
2: Absolutely. Uh, we mentioned, I think, in the last break about just sitting on an ethics committee, just serving as an ombudsman in uh, nursing homes. Um, or when you're at the hair salon, when you're at Starbucks and you hear discussions start, you hear people begin talking about uh, uh, these issues, chime in, chip in, share your point of view. Um, it, it's, it's not a time for the church to be silent. It's a chi- time for the church to be vocal, to be upfront, to step up to the plate and articulate a biblical worldview on what it means to be a person, um, what it means to be a human being created in the image of God, and how that view should influence the everyday decisions we make in our families.
1: There's a lot that your ministry is doing uh, to not only help set us on the right track in terms of understanding the, the ethical arguments and how we need to present them, but then, too, educational service available through Johnny and Friends that can help a local church say, what can we do to kind of Tear down the walls and open up our ministry to make it more accessible to meeting the local needs of folks that, you know what, maybe would love to be at church every Sunday, but my church doesn't have a wheelchair ramp or something of this sort so that we can do more to really be more effective at ministering to the needs of the disabled community.
2: And, and it can be done in such practical ways through a church, and that's why I'm so grateful that, uh, that our Johnny and Friends Bay Area office is working hard with local churches to train and equip them on creative ways, solutions, uh, programs to embrace these families, uh, whether it's providing respite care, whether it's providing a retreat for these moms and dads who are, who are overburdened and stressed out and worn out and overwhelmed. To a family retreat down in Santa Cruz, we've got all kinds of programs and and educational opportunities available for local churches here in the Bay Area.
1: Mark Williams, who is the Bay Area director with Johnny and Friends, uh, joins us now in studio. and And Mark, delighted to see that in some respects, this ministry is is strengthening the tent stakes. Uh, to meet the growing needs of the disabled community here in the San Francisco Bay Area. So much so that you were mentioning to me that Family Camp, a lot of folks are familiar with down in Mission Springs, that that is already full for the year. And part of the vision here is to, again, strengthening those tent stakes to open up to have additional Family Camps.
3: Uh, That's correct, Craig. Family camp sold out in two weeks this year. Uh, Camp consists of about 250 people each, so that's 500 people in two weeks signed up for our camp, and we're out. We need another camp right now, and that's why Johnny's up here to help us in the Bay Area. We're going on a campaign to raise the funds to have another camp at Mission Springs, not just one, in the next year, two.
1: The role that you play with the Bay Area office... um, Kind of give us a, a look as to the resources available through the ministry, both globally at the corporate offices as well as locally, to help equip the local church to do a better job at reaching this community.
3: Having Johnny's office down at Agro Hills behind us is like having a Christian university of information for us on disability. We have all these tools at our fingertips to bring to the churches. We want to be the head foot washers of the churches. There's no way we could hit the critical mass of the Bay Area. We're only four people in our office of Johnny and Friends. And this is the way we're going to go at it by teaching and training all the churches to bring these people across the threshold. Because, Craig, when they're rejected at their church at the threshold, they feel like they're rejected by God himself.
1: And that's a key point, isn't it, Johnny, to understand that we're we're really missing a huge opportunity here uh, if we don't take the time to get educated and to understand the simple things that can be done. And, and I guess that's the other message here too. A lot of folks say, oh my goodness, this is going to be too involved and complex. How can we possibly take on the additional burden of now ministering or meeting the spiritual needs of disabled members of our local community? But in fact, it's a lot easier than most people perceive.
2: It really is. It's it's just extending that hand of welcome to that single mother who's bringing a child with autism into the congregation. Uh, a mother who has been uh, rejected by other churches saying, we have no programs for your son. You you need to go somewhere else where a church is better equipped. Well, we want to equip that church who uh, might feel strongly about rejecting that mom with that little boy um autism is on the rise uh one in every 109 births now uh, are diagnosed with a with autism and that is incredibly skyrocketing statistic and and our sunday schools and our christian Ed directors and our churches need to know how to embrace these children what do you do in a sunday school classroom when a boy with autism has a meltdown or goes ballistic uh how, how do you how do you adjust for that how do you uh help the other children understand the, the difference that this child has and uh, and his disability and and we're equipped at the bay area to help address these questions to provide training for christian ed directors pastors sunday school teachers so that um children with autism especially can be embraced in a church that's just one disability but it's one of the most common disabilities now almost every cul-de-sac in america as a family, somehow impacted with autism.
1: If you've just joined our conversation today, a visit in studio with Johnny Erickson Tata, of course, from Johnny and Friends, and I'm also Mark Williams with us, Bay Area Director of the Bay Area Office of Johnny and Friends. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation as this edition of Lifeline continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back to the conversation. Again, let me share with you a couple of the ways that you can get in contact with the Bay Area Office of Johnny and Friends. Uh, the first and easiest is always through the web at johnnyandfriends.org. That's Johnny, J-O-N-I, johnnyandfriends.org. And you can look there for the Bay Area page. You can also call the Bay Area Office at area code 510. 510- 727-8845. That's 510-727-8845. A number of important resources available, as we were mentioning, Johnny, just before the break, to Bay Area churches that would like to do something more in terms of taking down the, the barriers that often exist. And and some are literal ones, and others largely, I think, are really Mental ones, aren't they, when it comes to what it means to expand our local church ministry in outreach and accommodation to the disabled community?
2: Well, I've got a great answer for anybody who's a little anxious or fearful or nervous or... They'd love to help people with disabilities, but they're not sure where to begin. Um, We need more short-term missionaries. We need more volunteers to serve at those two family camps that Mark Williams was just talking about down in Santa Cruz. we got lots of families signed up. Camp is maxed out, but we need more volunteers. And that means our listeners would have a chance to come and spend five days rolling up their sleeves and and giving hands-on help to children with disabilities. And if you come with a... With a, uh, with, a, with a poor attitude, if you come with fear and anxiety, believe me, you will leave at the end of the week
1: blessed. And, you know, Mark, I've had folks that have gone down and volunteered mm-hmm. that said, I went down with the intention of going and giving, and I came back. Having received, isn't that often true?
3: Oh, Craig! If I had, if this wasn't radio and I could show you pictures of uh, the recipients at camp, you would not know which one was blessed—the short-term missionary or the people they're serving. Their their hearts and smiles, and they're just wide open. And I guarantee, anybody who goes down there will be blessed and changed for their life. You're looking at opening up the doors to uh, create a third annual family camp. That's one of the goals
1: here. Uh, The other thing, too, we mentioned uh, volunteerism. Now, beyond going and becoming a short-term missionary at one of the family camps, what are the other ways in which folks that have got some time on their hands and want to do something significant for the kingdom can partner with Johnny and Friends?
3: Well, the good news on that with Johnny's tour coming in the Bay Area, we have a training coming up. And um, part of the talent, of Johnny and friends, is our church relations, Debbie Lillo. She's a Stanford grad. She's got a master's in education, and she's led uh, disability ministry for nine years. But the best part about Debbie is her heart and love for the ministry. And she'll be doing a training coming up, Craig. I think I put that Right in front, got it right here. Saturday, April the fourteenth, from one to three thirty p.m.
1: It's going to be hosted on the peninsula at Central Peninsula Church. That's located in Foster City at one thousand five Shell Boulevard. That's easy, right off the ninety two freeway at one hundred one. If you're over in the East Bay, hop across the San Mateo Bridge and literally one of the first exits right there off the bridge. Seating is limited, and you're encouraged to call and to reserve your seats. And, again, let me encourage you to call the Bay Area office at 510-727-8845. That's 510-727-8845. You can also get details by checking out the Bay Area page at johnnyandfriends.org. That's johnnyandfriends.org. And, Johnny, this really is so much easier than a lot of folks really realize. I think we have the picture in mind that we're going to have to tear down walls and build ramps and do all kinds of really expensive things when in fact, quite often, that's the farthest thing from the truth.
2: That's so true, Craig. And I think uh, the, the transformation happens when you begin to look at uh, people with disabilities, uh, single mothers of special needs kids, um, families that have a, a parent with Alzheimer's. You begin to see these people not as projects, but as people. And
1: yeah, we're so worried about opening up buildings. Instead, we should be focusing on simply opening up our hearts.
2: There you go. That's a great way of putting it. Just opening up our hearts and treating these special needs families with the same um, grace and and dignity that you would want to be treated yourself it's just a common courtesy it's extending the hand of welcome we want you here uh, okay so we don't know how to meet your needs will tell us tell us what your needs are sit down with us talk to our prayer team how can we pray for you what about our Sunday school system what can we do to change our Sunday schools to better accommodate your family how can we help how can you help us train our volunteers just 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 asking simple questions of these families themselves and they'll be so overjoyed that someone cares someone's taking an interest and someone really wants to be a creative part of a good solution
1: and as we mentioned an excellent way to get started is by attending this special free disability ministry workshop again saturday april the 14th 1 to 3 30 p.m hosted at central peninsula church in foster city details again on the bay area page of johnnyandfriends.org or by calling the bay area office at 510 727 Eighty-eight I'm reminded, too, another way in which the Bay Area Church can do something significant is the Wheels for the World project. And, in fact, Mark, you were mentioning you just got back from one of those special projects taking place in Thailand.
3: Oh, that's right, Craig. Um, I just got back. We had a team of 14, and we distributed uh, 400 wheelchairs in Thailand. Uh, The majority of everyone we distributed to never had a chair in their life. Well,
1: and that's significant because we think about... In some of these third world countries, Johnny, where literally there are people who pull themselves along on their elbows and hands because the, the notion of <laughs> wheelchair ramps, let alone wheelchairs, it, it just virtually not existed in many of these countries.
2: Dragging their leg legs behind them, and it's so I'm so proud of the Bay Area team that takes wheelchairs and Bibles into Thailand. And what I'm especially excited about is that next year, 2013, uh, Mark and the Bay Area Johnny and Friends team is going to be doing a family retreat over in Thailand. We're taking uh, all the fun, all the fellowship that uh, we We've come to know and enjoy over there at Santa Cruz at uh, Mission Springs Family Retreat. And, and we're culturally making it appropriate for uh, special needs families in Thailand. So Mark is going to be championing uh, holding a family retreat in Thailand. And you know what? I just bet, Mark, you'll need some volunteers for that as well. You bet. And, and an
1: opportunity not only to go and meet felt needs, but then, too, didn't you find that a lot of these families who are overwhelmed by the sense of love, and concern and generosity of a loved one in the family receiving a, a wheelchair and and, a, and now freedom, in a sense, the mobility for the first time in life. Then, too, don't they just clamor to know, why are you doing this? And that opens up wonderful doors for, for prayerful ministry, too, doesn't it?
3: Well, especially in Thailand, Craig, because it's mainly a Buddhist, Buddhist culture. culture. Mm-hmm. And they believe in karma, and their karma is that they're... Crippled for life. Somebody must have done something wrong. Um, And when you go into Johnny and Friends Outreach, we're traveling with a medical team because our CEO, being in a wheelchair, wants everyone who receives a chair to have it medically fit so there's no damage to their body in the future. When you're laying on the floor working on a chair, you spend about two hours with that family, with the interpreter. So a full relationship is built. And by the time you're done and they're just so happy and you say... Can I tell you why we're here? Many people in the United States, they took those chairs to their churches. They took those chairs to an outreach. It went to a prison afterwards where a prison ministry totally remodeled the chair. It went to a shipping port. It came all the way to Thailand because Jesus loves you. God is here for you. We wanted to give you that message so you can enjoy this chair with your family and your community and life.
1: So whether you have a chair that you'd like to donate or you'd like to donate your time, you'd like to be a part of that team going over to Thailand or one of the other Wheels for the World events taking place literally globally throughout the calendar year, get more information again on the web at johnnyandfriends.org. That's Friends. Dot O-R-G. I would be admiss, and I don't mean to embarrass you by this, Johnny, but a lot of folks are familiar with William Wilberforce. He was one of the, the leading figures in the 18th century in bringing to an end slavery in Great Britain, and an organization named after him has gone on to provide a prestigious awards annually. The people that do significant things in changing the world. Mm. I, little birdie tells me that uh, you're going to be uh, doing some traveling here pretty soon. I'll be
2: going to Washington, D.C. Uh, next week to receive the Wilberforce Award. And um, this is all out of uh, Chuck Colson's ministry at the Colson Center and with Breakpoint. And uh, when uh, the board of directors of Breakpoint um, uh, called me to let me know that I'd be receiving this award, I was just astounded. I was overwhelmed. But then again, it it, it rings true, because I'm so concerned about social justice. I'm so concerned that that we take the advice from the book of Amos, the minor prophet, who said, what does God require of you but to walk humbly, love mercy, and to do justice? And we're talking about justice issues here. We're talking about um, sharing the love of Christ with people who for too long have been uh, totally discriminated against. Uh, Yes, here in the United States, and as we just heard from Mark, under uh, fatalistic religious systems that would view uh, people with disabilities as cursed or here in the United States as, quote, non-persons. Well, we want to change that and i'm just so honored so grateful that uh, the ministry of johnny and friends has been recognized by by the wilberforce team to receive this special honor I, I take it not just for myself but for people like mark and all the co-laborers that i'm on the front lines with
1: well congratulations on that it, it indeed is a great honor and i think again indicative of of the effort that has been put into Uh, changing perceptions. And, you know, when it comes full circle, this is really what it's all about, Um, encouraging people to get involved in a ministry that makes a difference, that changes perceptions, that recognizes that we're not talking about uh, nondescript individuals who can't do what somebody else can do. We're talking about people for whom Christ died. Yes. And, you know, that kind of brings us back full circle, Johnny, to what we were saying earlier, that in in our weakness, uh, He is made strong. Amen. And so... I appreciate so much your time coming by and visiting. And again, I want to encourage our Bay Area listeners get educated, get involved, get out there and start making a difference. And if you would like to see your tank, tent stakes strengthened to open up and expand the ministry that your local church can have in impacting the disability community for Christ, come and find out how just how easy that is. Again, Saturday, April the 14th, 1 to 3 30 p.m., hosted at Central Peninsula Church in Foster City. And you can get details by calling the Bay Area Office of Johnny and Friends at 510-727-8845. Details, too, about coming out and becoming a short-term missionary, being involved. I bet at every level, both Speakers Bureau to come out and, and, and be available to uh, maybe help educate other churches about ministry opportunities, answer phones, whatever might be available for you to get involved in making a difference. The Bay Area Office can use your help. So give Mark Williams a call there at 510 727 8845 and check out more information about the ministry of johnny and friends and johnny erickson on the web at johnny and friends spelled j-o-n-i johnny and friends dot o-r-g johnny thanks for dropping by
2: absolutely craig it's been a pleasure